Hi everyone and welcome along to the Nerd Degree Podcast. My name is Brendan Bennett and I'm very excited to be here on this, our very, very first episode. We've been working on this for quite a while and so it's really exciting that it's finally happened. Uh, I managed to get six of my very favourite nerds to perform uh, on, on the show. We had Ben Allen, who's a reviewer for Game Planet New Zealand. Also, when I was doing the research for some of these questions, I was looking up uh, obscure Star Wars characters and I realised that I couldn't use that because the article was actually written by Ben Allen. Uh, we also have Erin Harrington who has probably the coolest job I can, I can imagine. She lectures uh, in cultural studies at Canterbury University. She's an expert on horror movies and gender. Jeff Clark, who's a stand-up comedian and he's also one half of the musical comedy duo Bigger Than Beatles. Very, very funny. On the other team we have Century Chan who... Not only does he uh, dress up regularly as a stormtrooper, but he is also a Lego architect and he organises the Christchurch Brick Show, which is fantastic. Andrew Todd, uh, awesome filmmaker, and he's the gaming editor for Badass Digest, which is that website that everyone reads. And Matt Powell, who i got to say his programming skills are, it would be fair to say, advanced enough to be indistinguishable from magic. And I do want to say a big thank you to our engineer, David Hazlitt, and to Michael Bell and Orange Studios for hosting us. Uh, we feel very, very welcome here. If you'd like to follow us, we are Nerd Degree uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on the internet, and we'll be performing live again the 5th of November here at Orange Studios, Christchurch, New Zealand. So come back then, but for now, enjoy the show. start off the show, uh, because we're all lifelong learners, I'd like to hear what you all learned today. Ben, could you start us off? Yes, uh, today I learned that the Sci-Fi uh, Channel's next original movie uh, is about uh, giant fire-breathing spiders, and it's called Lava Lantula. <laughs> and I am not making that up. And it stars Steve Gutenberg from the Police Academy oh. movies. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah, yeah still going. Wow. Yep. Nice career, though. That is depressingly more absurd than anything we will make up tonight. Erin, uh, what did you learn today? Um, I learnt something very nerdy about uh, bioamplification, which is when apex predators are full of toxins because of all the toxins and all the things that they eat. So little things eat toxins, then bigger things eat many little things with toxins and so on and so forth. So things like... Uh, Polar bears and giant seabirds and killer whales are just big uh, meat sacks of toxic sludge. That's true. I feel like mine made everyone dumber and Erin made them smarter again. I mean, really, you could be the next David Attenborough. Like, big meat sacks of toxic sludge. That's beautiful. Jeffrey. Right, well, um, I learned that scientists have almost perfected uh, cloaking technology. They use a series of lenses to create the illusion that when you put a pen behind one of the lenses, it, you, you can only see the background behind it. So it's, uh, it's, it's not quite in cloak form yet. Yes. But um, it's, it's on its way. But we can hide pens now. Yeah. <laughs> and rulers. It's good. Um, okay, have they invented technology that will let me find pens? <laughs> <laughs> we actually have those scientists here in the front row. <laughs> Sin, what did you learn today? Um, today I learned that um, when, when making a uh, name badge out of Lego, you're very limited in font choices. <laughs> so, but, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. I believe that's uh, Chicago. Obviously, I was trying for Century Gothic. But, uh, <laughs> it <didn't happen. laughs> Andrew. Uh, this is going to be one for the f- all fans of uh, the 1996 classic, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Uh, oh, give it up. Uh, the director who was fired on the first day of shooting in that movie uh, snuck back onto set during the production period and is visible as a background extra, uh, completely unwarranted by uh, the crew who actually had a restraining order against him. He wasn't allowed to become within 40 miles of the set, but he's in the movie. Matt. Uh, today I learned that Mark Hamill, who of course played Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, is now the same age that Alec Guinness was when he played Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope. Ooh. Yeah, Alec Guinness was born in 1914. Uh, Mark Hamill was born in 1951, so he's now 63, which is the same, same age as Obi-Wan was. So Amazing. Very cool. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now I am on. the master. <laughs> it's time for us to start. So, captains, roll for initiative. Eight. Oh, ten. 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 God oh, but, damn uh, it. Andrew's got plus three to dexterity, so. <laughs> he clearly doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, uh, you guys are going to start off. This is the this the this first round is called Nerd Quotient. I will ask you a question relating to uh, nerd type things. You will have to work out the answer. Uh, if you guys can't get it, you guys are allowed to chime in. Now, uh, this question, uh, this round is of course brought to you by Doc Brown's Ales and Liquors. Great Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start. Great start. I have a bad feeling about this. We don't realise there aren't enough people laughing at first, and so the pity laughs start. All right, so so your question is, given how hard Professor Xavier worked to protect mutant rights, why did a subsidiary of Marvel convince a real federal judge to declare that the X-Men are non-humans? All right, okay, so... um, that's so, a very so, good question. Yeah, I, well, yeah. obviously, we, we, we don't have enough mutants on the existing United States judiciary. It's probably part of the problem, is it? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, the Sentinels ultimately decided that mutants were humans, and, and that's what... Oh, Jeff's got an in-universe reason. So yeah, so remember, good. it's a real-life judge who made this real decision. Life choice. Yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a real-life law that says that they are... That mutants are not That people. mutants are not humans. Well, who They're is the judge? Uh, let's see. Uh, he... Does, was it Judge, Judge Magneto? Is that who it was? <laughs> Judge Sinister, perhaps. <laughs> but but Judge, do they have Judge some Doom? scary type mutant relative hidden away in the closet that they don't want anyone to know about? Is that the answer you want to go with? No, 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 no. no. I, I, I actually do know the answer to this. It's because of the action figures. Um, Mattel, uh, or, or Disney's, Disney wanted to make action figures of the X-Men. But you have to pay extra um, to make lifelike human toys as opposed to non-human toys. So basically, it was a big tax evasion thing. So it's good to see that the franchise is in good hands. Because mutants <laughs> are just sacks of toxic sludge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that is absolutely correct, Jeff. Erin's team gets five points. All right, speaking of judges making strange decisions, why did a Tennessee judge have to declare that liking Star Trek doesn't mean you are mentally ill? <laughs> well, uh, are there lots of Star Trek I think, fans in well, I Tennessee? Think for starters, we need to look at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, like, uh, would it have been, like, a, someone trying to use it as a defense? Like, they watched too much, too much Star Trek Star and Trek. made them want to commit murders? Star Trek made me a killer. Phaser all of that, all of that, like pro violence stuff that there is in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe he blamed it on an evil clone, something well, no, like that. No, maybe. maybe. Well, just maybe he made like a, a really accurate replica Batler and went into like Batler. And had like a, a, a Klingon duel with somebody and, and killed possible. somebody. I, I did feel homicidal urges during Into Darkness, but I don't know. <laughs> That's true. Related. All right, um, so is that is that where you guys? Yeah, it feels like it would be it would be like a, a legal defense thing. Yeah. Um, why? When would you use Star Trek fandom as a as a legal defense? Um, is it something to do with uh, the you know the Klingon language? You know, that, that's obviously um, <laughs> you know been made a real language. And oh yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So it may, maybe someone got too serious and yeah. <laughs> learning Klingon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you can get too serious. Why are you the team captain? And the biggest Star Trek news. Um I feel as though I feel as though this is ultimately stems from a massive uh, misunderstanding of the the themes and the philosophies <laughs> of Star Trek uh, by someone who may well. Okay, I'm rescinding Andrew's right to answer this question. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I can't give you. A, a, have you guys got any idea? Yeah, I reckon um, a defense for murder. Potentially, or it could have been like at a convention if they were grabbing people and they mm. said it was like the, oh. the Federation way of saying hello. Like to Pom, someone in the like Pom Ra or something, like yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to mind meld with people, yeah. just like willy nilly. Yeah. Mind melding with them, with their willies. With <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, this is not, this is not the correct answer, no, I'm, okay. I'm relieved to say. Um, Tennessee resident Gary Lee Bolden presented an impressive list of medical evidence to support the claim that he had been unjustly denied disability insurance benefits from the federal government. Judge Clifton Knowles, however, was underwhelmed by the dubious assessments of Bolden's health, including a statement saying that Bolden's passion for collecting Star Trek memorabilia was evidence that he couldn't function fully as an adult. This was this judge. I mean, if if that was a successful case, then there's probably a few people here who could be on disability right now. Yeah, so he was, it was a is like a benefit fraud case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, this next question is for Aaron's team. What aspect of the Arnold Schwarzenegger film 
Total Recall has recently become a reality. Ooh. Well, there's so many parts of Total Recall. We have. We have Ice on Mars. I think a few people know. Implanted memories. We have. Bonded with Sharon Stone. Yeah, true, true. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is now living in the 2000s and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's the self-driving car. Yeah. Obviously the cab that he drives mm-hmm. in with the, with the talking ventriloquist's dummy. Well, maybe they have one of those uh, wonderful kind of expanding out head bomb type... Yeah, I, 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 I think it's probably to do with memory implantation mm-hmm. because um, quite recently they have done quite a lot of breakthroughs on uh, removing unpleasant memories or... Um, creating memory. Has Killian given the people air recently? <laughs> no. <laughs> Open like your a... mind, great. Yeah. Are people opening their minds? People have opened their minds. Finally! Finally! Society has opened its mind. I'm going to throw this over to Andrew's okay. team. Oh, so, yeah, so, uh, so a woman in the States, a 21-year-old massage therapist, uh, claims to have oh. had a third breast added. Oh. But, but... Uh, there's some doubt as to her claim because she filed a lost luggage claim with an airport in the United States uh, and one of the items listed on the lost baggage claim was a three-breast prosthesis. Yeah. That's a bit of a giveaway. So it's a trick question. This is is true. This is true. The story actually got even weirder today as I was just following up on this. Um, She's recently been accused of keeping a a young man named Michael Square in a cage. What? Uh, and attempting to carve her name into his chest. Her name is Jasmine Tri-Devil. Um, and at the moment, he's got Tri um, carved into his chest. So right, she um, didn't try hard enough. <laughs> all right, so wow. you guys get five points for that, and you also get the final question of this round. Uh, which franchise is the Witch of Endor from? Which franchise is the Witch Ooh. of Endor well, it sounds it sounds it's like Star Trek is going to be the, like a trap. <laughs> Would you say what? you mean <laughs> you mean Star Wars? Oh my yeah, God! He confused Star Trek with Star Wars. Oh my God! It's minus a thousand. It's minus a thousand. I've heard. Well, that's that's why. That's why. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of things to do with Endor, but the Witch of Endor. Not only doesn't I've not heard of it. Uh, to do with Star Wars, but it doesn't sound like something that I would be in Star Wars. I think it might be from one of the Ewok adventure movies. Ooh. Yeah. Can you repeat the question? Yes. <laughs> from which franchise <laughs> is the Witch of Endor? So oh, okay, so it could, ju- it could just be a character. What else is it's definitely ringing bells. What else? Which is bells Endor? is it ringing? Yes, it's ringing witch bells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask for an answer. Go with it. We're gonna s- well, we we gonna don't s- have gonna go with the obvious answer. It's, yeah, it's, it's, Star, it's Star Wars or <laughs> Star Wars. Or <laughs> just, just give me your three favorite guesses. It's, it's, uh, it's Star Wars, uh, Dragon Heart, or uh, or Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. <laughs> no, Done. no, and no. Uh, uh, would you guys like to have a guess? Yeah. Well, I, I, I suspect with which it would probably be a Harry Potter. Ooh, that's a good one. I was going to say Wizard of Oz, you know, Wicked Witch of the West, Wicked Witch of the East, Wicked Witch of Endor. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say one of those um, early children running around trying to defeat witches type films, like Adventures Up and Down Witch Mountain. Obscure franchise. Obscure franchise. Return to Witch Witch Mountain, like that one with the rock. Yeah. It just remained. Yeah, but that, that wasn't. Yeah, okay. Um, so we were closer with the children's thing. Um, Hansel and Gretel. Okay, you weren't really <laughs> close. Uh, the correct answer is the Bible. Uh, uh, the Witch of Endor some, uh, was a medium who apparently summoned the prophet Samuel's spirit at the demand of King Saul. So, I don't know um, if Christians would you know, smile upon you naming the Bible a franchise. <laughs> there's, there's two books in this series. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a book and it's sequel. I don't think it's reached franchise though. Well, there's, like, there's also so much fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I want Can I ask uh, Endor is spelled? Uh, yeah, N-D-O-R. It is spelled Endor, Endor yeah, yes. as in Star Wars Endor. Oh, yes. that, that really puts Ewoks the battle for Endor in a whole new light. It does. <laughs> All right, that is the end of uh, the news question round, and the scores are five points and five points, although I have really Oof. have to take one point off for that That's Star fair Trick. That's fair uh, Yeah, Matt, stop being a dick. Terrible, terrible. I, well, in my defence, uh, I was There's thinking no so much about Star Trek that I actually contracted a mental illness. There's no defence. <laughs>
And you get the point back. Okay. <laughs> and our next round is called Project Greenlight. Now, Project Greenlight is sponsored by Spengler and Vinkman Bridges. With Spengler and Vinkman Bridges, you can always cross the streams. <laughs> now, in this, in uh, Project Greenlight, the teams will compete to pitch movie ideas, and the points will go to the team that impresses me the most and pitches a film that I actually want to make. So, uh, let's see. Erin's team, you guys can go first. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to pitch a sequel or original franchise? Ooh. What do you reckon? Se- go for sequel. 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 I feel it starts with like a fist punching out of a grave in Scotland. Like, well, like very good. Like yeah, Carrie. Yeah. Like Carrie. I coloured in my own Carrie today. Yeah, I that's nice. That's nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, I, I think um, William Wallace is obviously a Highlander. So, um, oh, he turns out that he was one of the immortal Highlanders from Highlander. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and it, it ties in with the recent vote for Scottish independence. Yeah. Because right? yeah. he's, he's not happy with the democratic rejection of freedom. Disgruntled Scottish nationalists have concocted an arcane ceremony to resurrect William Wallace to lead them to freedom. But the spell's gone wrong. It's gone wrong. And he comes back evil. He comes back evil. We need um, an English hero to come in and contentiously yep, defeat him at the Jude, last Jude minute. Jude Law. Jude Law. Playing, playing Richard III, whose remains were found in that car. Oh, that's right. So it's so a so bit. They have his DNA, so they can close And they've obviously, yeah. they've both got cyborg parts. And Richard oh, yeah. III has been grafted to a robotic horse. So he's <laughs> What we do need, though, is a final battle where the two foes come against one another. And I, and I want to hear right now um, William Wallace's speech <laughs> <laughs> to inspire his um, uh, troops. Is it, is it, yeah. <laughs> Which means you can... So basically the same as the original. That's right. yeah. 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 It means you can rip out my organs, but you can never take my freedom. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. Um, that's that's going to be a hard one to beat. Would you like uh, an original property or a remake? Uh, unlike the other team, we do have ideas, yeah. so uh, let's have an original property. So many ideas. Okay, I would like you to, to pitch me uh, a movie entitled The Lizard Man at Dawn. <laughs> So, as everybody knows, uh, lizards and lizard men are cold-blooded. Which means uh, they they can't regulate their own body temperature and can only function during the day. And Mm. at night, they they retreat to the cave uh, where they keep warm um, until they can uh, reboot their metabolism. That's right. And this uh, this film is set uh, in the Arctic Circle. Which has, of course, uh, seasons that, that last a very long time. Um, mm. So uh, this particular dawn is the dawn of the longest summer that uh, that the Arctic Circle has ever known, and thus the dawn of the age of the lizard men. And I think well, we need to cast someone uh, lizard-like. Yeah, th- now I just I bear um, in mind there's not much budget, so someone who already looks a lot like a lizard. I feel um, like there's only one choice, which is Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking George Clooney. <laughs> Have you ever seen a lizard? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think George yeah, okay, Clooney Willem looks Dafoe. much well, like a lizard. But, but yes, uh, and uh, uh, so he he is the first of the lizard men. But uh, he has to, in order to take over the Arctic Circle and all of its territories, uh, he must create an army of lizardmen. And he does this uh, with his forked tongue uh, by inserting it down uh, the throats of unsuspecting Eskimos, Alaskans. Which brings us to the love plot line. Mm. That's right, uh, because in addition to being, it, being like an overpositor, uh, the forked tongue makes him the best kisser. <laughs> That's right, uh, and uh, obviously he's been he's spent the whole of the the Arctic winter with one photograph in his possession, uh, the photograph of a of a young uh, researcher who's come to the Arctic Circle uh, to do some research on walrus, uh, played of course uh, by Scarlett Johansson. 
All right, let me, right. <laughs> let me hear the trailer. <clears throat> In a world <laughs> run by lizards, one man is not entirely a man, but no, not no. entirely a lizard. You might say that he's a lizard man. <laughs> this winter, prepare for a cold blood and warm heart. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is... The Lizard Man at dawn. <laughs> All right, uh, a valiant attempt. I'm, I, I can't not give that to Braveheart, though, so five points to Aaron's team. Matt, are you... How many sides is on that Rubik's Cube? <laughs> uh, uh, there's still the, the normal six sides, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, you've got me there. Yeah. Uh, seven rows to a side. Seven rows to a side. Seven rows to a side. Okay, if you can it's solve so big, that by bulging. the end of the night, I'll give you a bonus point. <laughs> you hear that, Matt? A whole bonus point. A whole point. bonus point. Wow. In exchange for about for 20 solving. minutes of intense concentration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's move on to our next round. Our next round is entitled Quotes. Now, Quotes is brought to you by Dr. Hyder Communications. Forget about Skype or Facebook. Dr. Hyder Communications will connect you with your loved ones permanently. Uh, So the the first quote is Hokey religions and ancient weapons Are no match for a good blaster at your side Comma, kid (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a point for that It was a substitute, not match But uh, that's close enough for me Alright, second quote Wait a minute, Doc Are you you saying you invented a time machine? Oh, are you telling me? <laughs> are you you finish me? it, finish it. Ugh. Out of a DeLorean. Out of a DeLorean. Yes. <clears throat> That's. <laughs> Matt was clearly. Matt was clearly first. Are you saying you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Yes. If if we're gonna travel through time, we might as well. No, okay, that's enough. Let's <laughs> do the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, but one thing's sure, Inspector Clay is dead. <laughs> DCI Granite lives on. <laughs> no, no. This is a quote from Plan 9 from Outer Space. But one thing's sure, oh, Inspector no. Claire's dead, murdered, and someone's responsible. Oh. That's right. Okay, next quote. This is your receipt for your husband. No returns. <laughs> <laughs> Not the answer. No. <laughs> $12. <laughs> this is your receipt for your husband, and this is my receipt for your, respe- for your receipt. It's a quote from Brazil. Uh, All right. We're really sucking balls here. <laughs> All right, I'll try. I'm, here's an easy one. Let's just bug out and call it even, Matt. What are we even talking about this for? That was an easy one. This was an easy one. <laughs> Let's just bug out and call it even, Matt. What are we even talking about this for? Ripley responds. I say. Oh! I say. Oh. <laughs> King got him first. We take off nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. That's correct. Yeah. All right. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total oblivion. I will face my fear. I will permit the fear to pass. Okay, I'll give you the points. It is from it is from June. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Invention, my dear friends, is ninety three percent perspiration, six percent electricity, four percent evaporation, and one percent dumb luck. Nope. Also, the maths is wrong. Three <laughs> <laughs> uh, percent chicken thighs. <laughs> Closer and two percent butterscotch ripple. Ooh. It's from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. Can we have the point? No, it was food. It was food. This, this <laughs> is the right <laughs> general area. Okay, this next one. If you follow me again, I'll tie a fish around your balls and feed your dick to a sea lion. <laughs> That's a quote from Go Shark Two, <laughs> which I wrote and directed. <laughs> Uh, this is a cheat. No one else has actually seen Ghost Shark 2 yet. I just thought it would be hilarious if he didn't get that one. <laughs> okay, you get the point for that one. Uh, final one. Three rings for the Elven Kings under the sky. Uh, uh, I was just seven for, the dwarf, <laughs> seven for the dwarf, dwarf lords in their halls of stone. 
one for the uh, one for the little boy who lives down the lake. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a point. Seven for the dwarf lord. Nine for the mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord on his dark throne. That's right. Stupid throne. Andrew, why are you wearing a badge that has Leonard Moulton on it? I'm wearing a badge that Leonard Moulton gave this to me. Uh, I, last week I was, had the good fortune of being on a film jury with uh, Leonard Moulton, uh, who is, now that Siskel and Ebert are both dead, probably the most famous uh, film critic in the world. Are you implicating him in that? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying he had anything to do with it. Just if but, you hang around long enough, you'll eventually get to be the most famous film critic. Yeah, yeah. Um, he survived, which is, is really cool. Was there an accident? What, what's he, I mean, what's he like? Uh, he's really, really charming and lovely. He's, uh, he's like a 70-year-old film critic. He's probably the biggest movie nerd in the world. Uh, and he is my spirit animal for tonight. <laughs> uh, next round is called Kevin Baconing. Uh, Kevin Baconing is brought to you by Bacta. Bacta. Simply the best healing for your tank. Now, in this game, uh, I will give you uh, two names. Uh, and you will have to form uh, a series of connections that link the two. Uh, the team that can form the best connection will get the points. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with your team. Yes. Uh, I want you to connect Ron Perlman mm-hmm. and Launchpad McQuack. <laughs> right, well, first of all, uh, uh, pearls come from clams. That's right. And yeah. clams are shellfish. That's right. Uh, shellfish come from the sea. Yes. That's right. And, uh, and Kevin Costner was in Waterworld, set on the sea. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and water is where ducks live. Mm-hmm. And Launchpad McQuack is a duck. Is a duck. All, all right. Yeah. Yeah, that, is, that is actually exactly what I had written down as well. Um, uh, amazing. Right, Aaron's okay. team, uh, you things. need to connect Katniss Everdeen to Christopher Walken. Christopher oh. Walken. All right, wow. Well, uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> so, so halfway there. Christopher Walken is an exceptional dancer. Yes, yes. Uh, as, as proven in the movie Hairspray. Yes. Which is about uh, a woman who uh, is challenged to take on the patriarchy and the racism of her time. In particular, um, John Travolta in a fat woman suit. Yes. Yeah. And I believe John Travolta is a Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is an archer, and and the Sagittarius is an archer. Yeah. Yeah. These are both incredibly convincing. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to give you the points. Well done, Andrew's team. Hooray! Uh, thank you. <laughs> it's what we deserve. Can <clears throat> which brings us to our next round, my favourite round, the fanfic round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, the fanfic round is, of course, brought to you <laughs> by our sponsor. If you need an exfoliant, try Tatooine Sand. It's coarse and rough, and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Tatooine Sand. Uh, um, <laughs> So in the <laughs> in the fanfic round, uh, I'll give each team's uh, two famous characters, and they will have to compose on the spot an original piece of fan fiction that brings those two characters together. Um, oh, together? So, or just together? It's entirely up to you. Okay. Great. <laughs> uh, Aaron's team. Uh, you can go first. Okay. Um, you, you get uh, General Maximus Decimus Meridus yeah. <laughs> uh, from Gladiator and Kermit the Frog. All right. They called them the Roman and the Green Man. <laughs> and they'd been together for 15 years, but today was their last day together. They had to solve one more case and then they could retire. <laughs> <laughs> Maximus took his short sword and turned to his small felt amphibian friend. We must find them. And strike them down before they can strike again. Okay. <laughs> I can't hold a weapon like you. All I can do is sing and dance. You know, I've come to appreciate your singing and dancing more and more, Kermit. After all the years of carnage in the arena. Coming home to your flappy little green limbs. Just makes me feel all warm and gooey inside. Maximus. Before you leave, would you put your hand inside me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll end it there. All right, Andrew's team, uh, yeah. see if you can uh, just keep it a little bit. 
Seemly. What? Seemly. Yeah. We'll, try. Um, we'll see. You, you guys, you guys uh, are going to connect two two great video game characters: uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and Pac-Man. Okay. Um, so Lara Croft, Pac-Man. Uh, it was a hot day. Decided ice creams. Let's have an ice cream, and then all of a sudden they see a meteorite coming towards the. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Up the stakes, I like it. So, <laughs> up the stakes. Lara says, "Pac-Man, we've got to do something." So they race to the uh, the, the the point at which the meteorite is going to impact, um, and it impacts. Um, but cutting uh, <laughs> to the chase. But um, Pac-Man, of course, uh, uh, be, being a, a spaceman, has uh, shields Lara and himself using his uh, space suit because. Well, we all that, know that Pac-Man's yeah, a spaceman. Yeah, that just, yeah. He's very graphically simple. love to eat in, cherries. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, uh, the, the meteor has crushed thousands of civilians mm. who immediately become ghosts. Pac-Man's one weakness. <laughs> the ghosts, uh, the ghosts march out of the, out of the crater, uh, rows upon rows of them. Um, Lara, Lara attempts to shoot them down with her dual pistols. Doing with backflips. And uh, doing backflips and uh, pointing, her, pointing her guns at like really everywhere. uncomfortable angles. Yeah. Um, uh, her guns never run out of ammo, mm. but even so, the ghosts keep coming because ghosts cannot be harmed by bullets. The only thing that Pac-Man can do is devour a large spherical object to gain <laughs> the powers that he needs to overcome the ghosts. Fortunately, there are two in sight. <laughs> okay, we'll see that one there. Thank you. Oi, vey. It depends on which iteration of Lara Croft we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. P is one. They were really more kind of triangles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to leave that one to Andrew's team. Um, Why? <laughs> Don Petty, maybe? Okay. What's that, what's that you got there, Ben? Oh, this is my it's my Minecraft pickaxe. <laughs> I use it when I need uh, when I need to mine stone uh, to build my dwellings with. Um, no, actually, um, actually, my, my I, I'm into Minecraft, and my son's into Minecraft equally as much as I am. And uh, when he when he when I got this, he just ran around and just tried to mine our entire house. <laughs> like, he was just like, why is it? Why is the house not dissolving into convenient square shaped blocks <laughs> for me to repurpose as I see fit? And it's, subsequently, it's got a bit damaged because he's just been pounding it on everything. Do, you, do I mean? Do you have that feeling? Any time you see something that's approximately square, you really think, like if I just punch that, if I just punch it out, well, I'm, I'm, I inventory. do wonder how many people have been inspired by the game to go out and just start punching trees. <laughs> no, you could really, you could really mess with them because they've got those cu- those storage cubes at the warehouse for like four or six dollars. You could buy like a stack of green cubes, make it up there, and you could just work at it. So, for yeah. I mean, for a very small investment, you could really screw up your son. I could. <laughs> well, because there's also a creeper costume, and if I showed up in well, he'd probably, he'd probably just find us something happy with it. Or we'd be like, you have to worry about that. All right, the, um, the, the next round is uh, the most classic of all nerd rounds. It's called Who Would Win? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, who Would Win? Uh, first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Carrying the devil spawn? You can know for sure with Rosemary's Maybe. Drinking some <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, in this, I'll give each of you uh, a character, and you have to argue uh, which one uh, would win in a battle. Uh, so let's see. Um, Andrew's team, you you are still just winning, uh, so you get General Obi Wan Kenobi. Damn straight, we do. Erin's uh, team, you get SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Got this in the bag. Yeah. All right, start, start us off, Andrew. Okay, Obi Wan Kenobi is known not just for his prowess with a lightsaber, his prowess with uh, the Force, but for his wisdom. He knows when to back away from a fight. He knows when to engage in a fight. He knows who lives in a pineapple under the sea. He knows who <laughs> lives in a pineapple under the sea, and. Uh, his, his powers of deduction, as demonstrated in the ex- excellent uh, detective sequences in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, um, are second to none. And he can find which pineapple SpongeBob lives in, track him down, and knock that motherfucker to the ground. Well, well yeah. 
Okay, we know. Okay, like we know. We know SpongeBob doesn't go on land. Okay, because that one time he did go on land in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie via David Hasselhoff. He and Patrick nearly died. So this is taking place underwater, right? Mm. And what happens the only time Obi-Wan goes underwater that we see in the Star Wars trilogy? He just basically nearly gets eaten by three different fish. He's useless. He's dependent on Jar Jar Binks (laughs) navigating him around in the submarine. That's how useless he is underwater. So he's at a natural disadvantage. We we can't just talk him down, though. We need to talk up SpongeBob. He's highly absorbent. That's right. He's flexible. (laughs) Yep. He, uh, I mean, he does not have a conventional brain chemistry. I doubt Jedi yeah. mind tricks would work on it. That's him. true. And um, in the opening, <laughs> in the very opening sequence of SpongeBob SquarePants, the show, you can see he can be courted, re-rotated, and reassemble himself and be That's fine. Right. So he's a lightsaber doesn't it's work either. Gonna, he's, he's also a terrible driver. So any time Obi Wan gets in the way, he's just going to smack the crap out of him in his little. What, what I envisage happening in a fight yeah. is SpongeBob follows Obi Wan Kenobi around like an even more irritating version of. Until Obi Wan kills himself. That's right. And the whole time, because he's so porous, he's just absorbing Obi Wan's knowledge. Yeah. Everything that he can teach is just learning to throw back what, in him. How's this? How's this going to go down, guys? It is interesting that you bring up the point that uh, SpongeBob lives at the bottom of the sea, in the because time and time again, Obi Wan Kenobi has demonstrated that he can win fights solely by having the high ground. <laughs> Smattering of laughter by people who get that joke. Oh, I think everyone got it. <laughs> uh, so all Obi-Wan really needs to do is, um, is have the high ground, which he can do because he can exist. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen that movie where he's uh, in the boat with, uh, or in the, in the submarine with, with uh, Jar Jar Binks, but he... Can, like he's got like that little breather thing. Like he can swim around underwater like nobody's business. He can swim right oh, down to the right down the bottom of the waterlogged cloak is gonna be a real hamper to movement. Can I add though? That cloak is oh, like oh, prehensile. He can use it to like to like non-canonical. What Obi-Wan does have that SpongeBob doesn't is style points. He can rock mm. that beard. Can SpongeBob rock a beard? He can. He's he can. He can rock a beard. He's got a I think it's telling. I think it's telling that after his encounter in the water, Obi Wan moves to the driest planet in the solar system. That's right. Tatooine. He's, he's, he's afraid. He's afraid of SpongeBob. Really especially because every time he gets his lightsaber wet, he has to roll it around in the sand. Yeah, to get actually, all this really, that it's an advantage. All for this Obi-Wan. really does is it proves that Obi Wan is the more versatile combatant. He can he can survive. Underwater, so he can survive lying. in the desert. He, he can, can survive, survive as a ghost. But he can't win. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, closing uh, statements from each of you. Ultimately, the argument is entirely moot because even if SpongeBob were to strike Obi Wan down, he would become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> the points go to Cool. Um, yes. Erin, what is that pink thing that you have there? Oh, this is Princess Bubblegum from um oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, um she's she's my spirit guide. She's amazing. She looks like she's eighteen or nineteen years old, but she's actually um possibly immortal. She's made out of bubblegum, she's made out of pieces of her um candy minions in the candy kingdom. She's a benevolent dictator and um, an inventor and an evil genius. Yeah, so, yeah. And canonically bisexual, I found out the She other is day. canonically bisexual and she rocks a frock. So. Oh, I didn't know that Adventure Time is apparently set on the post-nuclear apocalyptic yep. Earth. Yep. Yeah. Which is the mushroom war was yeah. uh, mushroom clouds. <coughs> wow. There's a, I mean, there's a lot more going on than you think yeah, in Adventure Time. Yeah, it's things. good. <laughs> um, Alright, uh, the next round that we're going we're gonna to play is called Bad for Your Elf. <laughs> it's bad for your elf. It's bad. It's bad. bad for your elf. Bad for your elf. Oh no! Can we do the entire round and cop the action? Right. Oh, yeah. The thing is, what are you doing th- drinking that kerosene? It's oh, bad for your elf. For your elf. Only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. We could go on on that. Michael Caine. Is it? It's Michael Caine playing an elf. He does that in like the third Hobbit film. Amazing. This is a Ray Winstone round. Well, okay. Okay, well, after that reaction, I'm not, I'm not even going to read the sponsor because I'm too embarrassed. No, do it. No, we're sorry. We're sorry. They've all been so good so far. <laughs> they want to hear it. Don't you want to hear the sponsor? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right.
The bed for your elf round <laughs> is brought to you by the T800 Music Tuition. You'll be back. <laughs> All right. Can we, can, we, can we change my answer? I'm wanting to hear this <laughs> We don't have a time machine. Okay. Uh, activate the Omega 13. <laughs> so. This is the most difficult one to uh, explain. Erin's uh, team, you guys are going to start off. The reason it's called Bad for Your Elf is because I'm going to give you a list of canonical elf names from the uh, Lord of the Rings world, mm-hmm. but we're going into the, all the, some real deep cuts here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that's, those are all names of actual elves. Now, the way it's going to work is uh, you're going to take turns each reading out a name from that list. Your job is to try and slip in some made-up elf names. <laughs> you get a point for every name you successfully slip in. If you guys think that they're making up an elf name, you ring the bell. If you're right, you get a point. If you're wrong, you lose a point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I, just, I just made this up this afternoon, so I really yeah. hope it works. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, mm, you, guys, you, guys, you guys are ready? Yeah, yeah. So, elf names. Um, Tata. Can you? <laughs> okay, you, you, that Tata is a real name, uh, so you guys lose okay, a sorry. point. Oh, this could really like. Could you read them in order so that I can okay, follow sure. along? Okay, sure. Mm. Tata can't just pick and choose. Tata, uh, Eagle Moth, uh, Galadriel, Pingalon. Pingalot is a real elf name. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> uh, Galabra. It's a made up one. Totally made up. Amrod. <laughs> it's real. Vesuvius. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that is a made up one. It's from Order of the Stick, a popular yeah. webcomic. Uh, Veronway. Uh, Finrod. Full name. Oh, sorry. Finrod Felagund. Thank you. I'm going to say that's an actual. <laughs> <laughs> You've skipped one as well. Uh, the- Veronway. I did that one. We can't read. Do we get more points for that? <laughs> you don't get more points for not being able to read, no. But we're overcoming our disability. <laughs> Too much Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Orodreth. Benadryl. Worth a crack. Uh. <laughs> Oregon. It was a made up one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Televan. Another made up one. <laughs> Rog. <laughs> was a real one. Bullshit! <laughs> I actually, um, there was a note that came with this one. Rog, or Rog, I think, um, is Lord of the House of the Hammeroth. Is a noble gondolin in the Book of Lost Tales. Christopher Christopher Tolkien excluded him from the Silmarillion because of his name, which was judged unlikely for an elf. <laughs> but he, he wrote the damn thing. Like he could just change did it. Did he? Did he? Write okay, it? okay, okay. We're gonna we're gonna call it down there. Um, you guys got uh, you guys got away with three there. Um, Andrew's team, uh, you get this list of Jedi names. Um, from the extended universe. Oh, oh extended universe. <laughs> Doesn't count anymore, Brendan. The extended universe is no, gone. Let's enjoy it while we can. Uh-huh. Um, so this is, these are these are all uh, semi-canonical uh, Jedi names. You want to slip in as many fake Jedi names as you can. Please read from the top. Okay. Arch Mellis. That's a fake one. (laughs) (laughs) See strategy, guys. Strategy. Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) Alright. Makadainu. That is a fake one. Kit Fisto. 
Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> Recognised one. Great. Holdan Kun. Yeah, that was a made-up one. <laughs> Walden Bridger. Attention. <laughs> Pong Krell. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> Pong Krell. Pong Krell. Pong Krell. <clears throat> Shan. No, he's real too. <laughs> Is he a complicated Jedi and yeah, no one understands him but his woman? <laughs> Shan! <laughs> Shan is a made up one. Who's a Jedi? Oh, what? Shan! <laughs> Shan, I was gonna. I bet, you, I bet you I can find him on Wikipedia. <laughs> no, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> Uh huh. Yep, that's made up. Well, that's dream casting, I guess. Apparently, Walt well, Disney's last words were Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna what Google that to? right now. <laughs> was it conspiracy? I don't know, but Kurt Russell got in a lot of Disney movies. Okay. <sighs> Shark T. No, she's real. <laughs> She's real, Jess. She's real. Um, Her death was tragic. Bultar Swan. Uh, <laughs> no, that's real. Nah. <laughs> that was fallacious crumb. Yeah. <laughs> Crow Plune. It's Clo Poo Poo Plo Coon. It's Plo Coon. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a bonus point for that. Belarus. Belarus. Two more. Bedard Tone. <laughs> Israel. Bedard Tone. Belsima Rilasura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna actually going to have to call you now. All you're doing is switching the letters around in the actual <laughs> names. That maybe is what George Lucas does, but that's not what we're going to let you do. So I'm going to give them the point for that one. Now, I've just looked up if uh, uh, Disney's last words were Kurt Russell, but uh, it turns out that uh, Kurt Russell was just the name of his sled. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He was trying to escape from New York. Um, Jeff. Yes. You got Iron Man there. I have Iron Man here. (laughs) But I want to ask you actually something. You, you, your children. Yes. After you, after your, after you named your son, your wife got mad at you (laughs) for tricking her into naming them after something from pop culture, right? No, that, it was mentioned because my son's name is Toby, um, uh, and one of the factors was the child who has stolen in Labyrinth. Because I thought <laughs> if things don't go well, I could just call on the Goblin King. Alibi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a complete alibi. Um, and who wouldn't want to be raised by David Bowie? Yeah. So um, everything I've done, I've done for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you know the words? Remember the words? Your odds can be so cruel! <laughs> that's the, that's uh, the main part. Goblin King, Goblin King, wherever you may be, take this child away from me. That's not what I'm doing! Oh, God, I can't do that! Oh, God, I can't do that! Oh, God, I can't do Order. <laughs> and You're like now, children. Now Toby's gone. No, <laughs> no, he's, he's past that age. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next round. This is a round that we made up during the break. Um, so this is going to be exciting. Uh, this one I'm entitling BuzzFeed the Beast. Uh, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a film. Um, and I'll open it up for you guys. What's a, what's a film that most of us will know? 
Jurassic Park. Ah. That is perfect. Um, and I would like, uh, and this is open, uh, just ring your bell, ring in uh, for a point. Uh, I want BuzzFeed style headlines um, for Jurassic Park. Okay. You won't believe who this velociraptor disemboweled next. <laughs> it made me cry at 2 minutes 35. <laughs> See these celebrity heads photoshopped onto dinosaurs. <laughs> you won't believe how clever this girl is. <laughs> this New York lawyer took, uh, uh, took a pit stop in a public restroom. You'll not believe what happened next. You thought they didn't move in herds. This unbelievable footage will prove you wrong. <laughs> they thought they were safe inside the kitchen. Turns out the Velociraptor had a different idea. Uh... <laughs> uh, ben. The number one use of Sam Neill we've seen this week. <laughs> All right, we'll end it there. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> okay, uh, this next game is called On Trial. Okay. On Trial is brought to you by the Ash Ketcher Memorial Sexual Health Clinic. For when you catch them all. In this round, uh, each of the teams will be assigned a famous villain from pop culture. You'll have to act as that villain's defence team. Alleged villain. Uh, yes, you, you'll have to act as this villain's defensive defence team uh, and uh, try and acquit them of all charges. Sorry. <laughs> Twitchy Jeff, Jeff, could you could you could you just up. pass me Jeff's spell? Okay, and... sorry. You can use mine if you ask. Okay. okay. <laughs> Aaron's team, mm-hmm. uh, you guys uh, can go first, yep. and uh, you get Sauron. Cool. Sauron is perhaps the most misunderstood. Please, please address the judge. Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honour. Honours. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Zizzes. Um, Sauron has been entirely misunderstood throughout his entire life. All he's been interested in is... Giving gifts. Giving gifts, yeah. looking out for the people around him, um, putting people to work, getting them into good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> he's a benefactor. He's a charitable benefactor. Who among us have not suffered a loss of some kind? Maybe a treasured personal item. <laughs> we all know... <laughs> Uh, we all know how crazy that can, that can drive you when something you value and belong is taken for you with, from, from, by people who haven't earned it, that don't know what to do with it, that aren't putting it to the correct use. Maybe it drives you a little crazy. So, Maybe. So, so we've got something here. We've got a disproportionate response from the public uh, to his uh, reaction to this great loss, but at the same time, a lack of recognition of all his good work. Absolutely. I mean, Morgoth was the real uh, enemy of Middle-earth in the, in the beginning of the First Age. It's, it's true. Uh, and Sauron was studying. He tried to learn from his mistakes. He tried to do things differently following the, the, the great uh, exile of Morgoth. But uh, he, he just couldn't shake that. He was pre- everyone was prejudiced against him. And um, Sauron forged the rings as a peace offering. He was really trying to establish a United Nations of Middle Earth. All our client wants is to be left alone behind his big gate of Moria <laughs> that hardly ever opens. And not property rights, the key to, to personal well-being and prosperity. He just wants his own little patch of Middle Earth to mind his own business, to r- raise a few orcish armies if need be. Jobs for orcs. Jobs for orcs. Yeah. Think Let's about not forget orcs. that no one forces anyone to put the ring on. They That's do right. so of their own free will. And in not returning it to Sauron, are they not merely escalating the problems? Thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. Um, all right, uh, Andrew's team, uh, you guys will be defending um, the xenomorph. Uh, the, the alien from, from Alien. Your Honour, jury members, we'd like to uh, present our client. The victim of simple racism. <laughs> I mean, he may, he may be ugly, um, but, you know, we can't hold that against him. Um, he's, yeah, very misunderstood. Um, all he wants is a good feed at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> don't we all? I think a key thing, a key thing in the uh, societal prejudice that there is against xenomorphs um, is that it's about the patriarchy. You see, the xenomorphs, the xenomorphs are a maternal species. If you look mm. at them in their, in their, uh, in their face-hugger state, 
They're very vaginal. And people are afraid of that. People are afraid of it. Um, and that's why they instinctively go up to those eggs, eggs, and attack them. That's all. You, you see people walking around with flamethrowers. How is that? How, what have those eggs done to anyone? Nothing. They would, they would have just sat there if it wasn't for um, John, John Hurt going up and like going tap a tap tap on the, <laughs> on, the, on the carapace. Protecting the young. That's all they've done. That's I'm right. The alien, the alien queen is, is merely the mother that everybody is projecting onto because of their own issues with their own upbringing. Yeah. Hey, get away from her, you bitch. What kind of way is that to speak to? You this, know, is, this is a life form we're talking about. Mm. How dare people talk, use such, such snotty language? Yeah. That's right. And I think in, in the end, it comes down to one of the most enduring and damaging myths uh, perpetrated by followers of Darwinian, Darwinian evolution and people who misunderstand Darwinian evolution and that uh, mankind is somehow the epitome or the you know, apotheosis of, of evolution uh, and that, that gives us some kind of right to a place in, uh, in nature that we, we're not really afforded as a birthright. Uh, and we see, we see the alien as a, as a threat and we attempt to eliminate it, but is the alien not just another evolutionary path? No, it's a horrible monster. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the film. It can be both! (laughs) But have you considered that the film itself was made from the point of view of the oppressors? Mm. You're proposing that The the alien is like like the birth of a nation of alien movies. (laughs) (laughs) It is is entirely from the KKK's point of view. I mean, if you think about it, like, Alien is just the diehard movie from the other perspective. That's right. The alien is is really it's John it. McClane. It's just an ordinary an ordinary uh, Joe Joe Schmo, uh, <laughs> you know, who just wants to get home to uh, for Christmas. To and, but, uh, <laughs> and the proof of this is that the second the alien gets onto the ship, it's walking around without shoes and socks on. Oh yeah, naked. yeah, <laughs> without even any clothes on because you know what, alien the, the alien like is completely comfortable with his own body. You look closely <laughs> at those shots, and it's making fists with its toes. <clears throat> All right, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to put this one to the audience. Um, please applaud for the. Uh, I, I only have one acquittal um, to give out. <laughs> um, so uh, That's how the judicial system works. Yeah, this is how. This is how it all looks like. Uh, so either I can, I can either acquit Sauron or the Xenomorph. Um, please applaud for the one you think uh, should be should be released. Uh, who thinks Sauron? Jobs for all. Who thinks the xenomorph? Sauron! Sauron is walking the streets tomorrow. Um, Wow. Don't be on good behaviour. Sorry. That's what he said last time. Home detention. Don't just be up the top of his town. Yeah, he's just like, don't don't mind me. I'm just going to hang out in Dolgaldur. I'm not going to bother anyone. (laughs) Just peer out my window. Um, All right, we we have time for one more challenge. Um... Is currently five points in it. Uh, so four points. What? Thanks. No way. Come on. Yep. Oh, Matt. That's very, that's very impressive, Matt. <laughs> How do we know he didn't get another one at the break? <laughs> How do we know that he hasn't peeled off all the little stickers? That's right. I'm sitting here the whole time. Um... Yeah. Okay. Yes, you get a you get a point. Great. Um, so well that done. that puts you guys within uh, within touch of the lead. If you can win this final round, uh, the final round uh, we're going to return to who would win, uh, but this time it's going to be uh, up to you guys to put forward the contenders. So I need two characters from anywhere in pop culture um, to compete. Jaws, Iron Man. <laughs> Jaws, and, Jaws versus Iron Man. Do I have a... <laughs> Yeah. Yes? Okay, that's what it's going to be. Holy crap. Jaws, um, let's see. Um, you, you guys are winning, so you get to pick Jaws or Iron Man. Uh, well, we had the underwater one last time. Yeah. Iron Man. So maybe we go for Iron Man. Man. Okay, okay. You, you, guys, you guys have Iron Man, you guys have Jaws. Um, <laughs> start us off Aaron's team. Uh, 
Well, Jules is Jules is a dumb fish, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Iron Man is Iron Man. Like he's he's got a, got an array of weaponry, probably mm. mu- much of which works underwater. I'm sure those force thing God things work underwater, right? Works underwater. That's right. Yeah. Jules is very easily distracted. All you need are some little legs kind of dangling up there, and it. That's right, direction. and and Robert and and Robert Downey Jr. aka I mean can just Tony hover Star. hover out of reach of Jaws like a foot off the surface of the I, water. I, I, I think though we need to to talk up Iron Man because the shark's deficiencies speak for themselves. They do. Yes, I think the things with Iron Man is that the Mark fourteen armor is is uh, able to operate <laughs> independently, so he could he could send it down without any physical risk to himself. He has a. Are, are we talking pre or post Iron Man three? Like, you has tell me. Although we do have the fact that if the um, shark bites down on it really hard, then like the um, gas canister in the yep. original Jaws, he'll just, just Jaws explode. So even in win. death, Iron Man will win. All right, um, you guys are, you guys are in a bit of a tough spot. Well, I, I, I think you know, these guys have, have put forward a lot of arguments about how Ooh. Tony Stark could could beat the beat Jaws without even touching him, uh, and I think that just speaks to who who really wins the battle. Yeah. Because ultimately, <laughs> all, all this is really saying is, nya, 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 you can't catch me, which I think mm. is a pretty childish way to behave, and it shows a, a classic lack of heart from, from Iron Man. Don't make fun of Tony Stark's heart. <laughs> <laughs> he suffered. Well, this is the thing. The, Tony, the thing. Tony Stark. Is he an Iron Man or a Tin Man? <laughs> Tony Stark. Tony Stark. <laughs> This is, is a coward. Finally, goes personal. Tony Stark is a coward. He's oh. an alcoholic. Oh. Uh, he rests on his billionaire laurels. He's a victorious coward. Jaws. 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 Okay. Jaws was born with his strengths. Yeah. You, you take away. You take away. We you, were born in it. You take away Tony Stark's armor, and he's just some dick with a beard. Jaws has more bite strength than any other animal on the planet. Jaws, as demonstrated as demonstrated in Jaws the Revenge, is more relentless than any other animal on the planet. Yeah. He will track he will track Ellen Brody down wherever she is on the planet. And that means that Tony Stark can run, but he can't fucking hide. Jaws is fearless. You know, no reasoning with, with Jaws, is there? There's yeah, there's there's no reasoning with him. He will he will Get you. I think that's the that's the ultimate point here. Yep. He's going to get you. You talk about distractions. You know the legs are distractions. Jaws thinks about every target before he goes for it. <laughs> Everything's a meal. Everything's a meal, and you know who's the most delicious meal of all? Tony Stark. <laughs> and when Tony Stark is running and hiding as a, a you know a leisure loving billionaire playboy, where's he going to go and hide? A sleepy little holiday resort named Amity. <laughs> Any closing well, statements? First of, it, first of all, if you take away, as we have established from the Avengers, if you take away the Iron Man suit, Tony Stark is still a billionaire playboy philanthropist. And secondly, what is Iron Man but the pinnacle of robotic technology? Whereas we all know Jaws was a robot that Steven Spielberg couldn't even get to work properly. As you, as, as you say, as you say, sure, uh, Jaws was born with all his gifts. He's suffering from great white privilege. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Tony Stark developed the arc reactor himself. He turned his back on his uh, industrials and weapon manufacturing. And he has used his technology to better the lives of billions of people, including protecting New York from the Chitauri invasion. Okay. And when fin- Jaws finally kills Tony Stark, the only thing that's going to buoy his lifeless corpse to the surface is the massive chip on his shoulder. Ooh. <laughs> what Did he honestly make a fish and chips joke? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ladies and... What if the chip was yeah, Okay, okay, country? okay. Lucky it wasn't a Tony Shark joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll give you guys one last Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, great white sharks are an endangered species. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to support one of the most perfectly, perfectly evolved creatures that has ever graced this planet? Or do you want to support someone that wants to hunt an, uh, an innocent animal to extinction? That's what I put to you. I think the answer is clear. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I'll, I'm going to put it to you guys again. Um, 
<laughs> who who is going to win, uh, Iron Man or Jaws? Uh, who thinks it should be Iron Man? <laughs> who thinks it should be Jaws? That's right. Okay. Um, You're all going swimming tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm just going to add up the scores. Uh, okay. While I do that. Um, uh, I'd like to put it to, to each of you, if you've got uh, something you'd like to recommend. We're all nerds here together. Um, what, what's something we should check out? Right, well, um, I, th- there's a uh, comedy show uh, in the middle of October, October 17th and 18th, at the uh, Machina Lounge. Uh, I don't know, but I hear uh, there are some fantastic acts performing stand-up comedy, uh, yeah. things like Bigger Than Beatles on the Friday, wow. uh, Reg Blackwood, Dan Bain, uh, Dylan Neal. Uh, Justin White, uh, that's at Machine Lounge. Tickets are only fifteen dollars through Dash Tickets, so um, that sounds like it'll be a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, currently, as a part of Ice Fest, uh, there are Antarctic themed films playing at the Cinematheque at Allison Video Land. So there's lots of documentaries and uh, narratives about people going climbing and falling down crevasses. But they also have one single showing of John Carpenter's The Thing. Yay! Yeah. On um, Saturday, 11th of October at five o'clock, and there's limited tickets. So oh, yeah. go buy some. It is, and it is a documentary as well. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, if you like fantasy books, I'd like to recommend you go and check out books of a guy named Joe Abercrombie, uh, who seems to, not many people know about him, uh, but he kind of writes... Did he work uh, with a guy called Finch? No. No, no idea. Um, uh, who, he writes kind of Games of Thrones style stuff, uh, lots of sex and violence, and uh, jolly good cracking reads, and uh, there's a series in the now, it's up to about five books, um, six or seven books maybe even, uh, so go and look those up. First Law Trilogy is the, the first one. <coughs> Um, I'd just like to uh, shout out to um, my mate Flatman, who's a real-life superhero doing good things in Christchurch. So if you don't know what he's doing um, or who he is, uh, check out his Facebook page. And Yeah. He's, um, Sorry, yeah. his name is? Flatman. Flatman? Yeah. Oh, Flatman. You know Flatman? Yeah. yeah awesome. So he dresses up in a superhero costume and, um, yeah, does deeds of good around Christchurch, like um, delivering food packages and stuff. So, yeah, generally making, yeah. Uh, life a bit more comfortable for those that, that need it. So, lovely. I, I, you know, no pressure, guys, but <laughs> that was pretty. Uh, well, after that, I'm going to uh, pimp the um, the show that we're opening this Saturday at the Court Theatre, uh, which is an improvised three part horror anthology uh, called Tales from Camp Horror. It is at 10:15 p.m. at the Court Theatre on Saturday, every Saturday this month. Um, it will be funny and/or scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and if you like hypothetical conundra, Batman and cardigans, uh, there's a podcast you should check out. It's called How About This? Uh, it's by three improvisers in Melbourne. Uh, and yeah, it's really good. You should check it out. It's on Facebook at How About This or on Twitter at HBT Podcast. Um, and before we announce that, uh, a, a big round of applause uh, for all of our players Matt Powell, Andrew Todd, Centuri Chan. <laughs> Ben Allen. Our winning team tonight, two points ahead, is Aaron's team. Thank you very much for joining us at the Nerd Degree. We are back next month. Um, Yeah, thanks everyone. Good night. There we have it. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. The intro music was by Roll Music, who's a Spanish chiptune artist, uh, which I'm really digging. And the first two questions from the Nerd Quotient round are based on an article on io9.com. Uh, the article is by Mark Strauss. I really recommend checking that one out. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again next time, November 5th. <laughs> <laughs>